to the Fantasy's Finest Fantasy Football Podcast. Here are your hosts, William Spencer, Jalen McQueen, and Mark Carter. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy's Finest Podcast. You know who it is. I am your host, William Spencer. Man, it's so much going on today. Um, As I was getting ready to prepare for the recording, all sorts of news jumped off some good some potentially bad if you you know are the half the glass half empty kind of you know person but it's a bunch of stuff going on you know the the closer we get to the nfl season the start of the nfl season it's going to be a whole bunch of new news and information and players are going to be shuffling around you know on depth charts so i might get traded it's all sorts of stuff that could happen before the start of the, the uh, nfl season so we're going to get into that um some big news you know regarding leonard fournette we're going to get into that a little bit later um you know it's it's just it's so much and it, it sucks per, for me personally but i I'll get into that when we get into that. And of course, you know, the base of our episode today, we're going to keep going with our 2020 ca- comeback candidates, um, the running back position. So when we get into that, I'm going to let you guys know who some of the players that I think that have an opportunity to bounce back at that position um, and why you need to pay attention to them and potentially put them on your fantasy team. So before I get into that, I first I want to shout out all the moms and dads, the families right now. Um, if you're like me, my kids have started school today. Uh, actually my youngest kid, uh, Jackson, he started school today and you know, because of the COVID-19, uh, the pandemic situation, not everybody is, you know, all schools aren't opening, um, in the Pennsylvania, I live in Philadelphia, so the schools aren't open here. So we're doing everything online which is a different type of vibe. Um, you know, my, my, my boy is four, so he's pretty computer savvy, you know, for a four year old. But, you know, I mean, let me tell you how today started real quick. So I was up late, um, the night before exhausted. So my, I come downstairs, we have him all set up. He's got his little computer going. He's got his little board, his, uh, poster board for his, you know, his calendar is on there, the days of the week, the numbers, the alphabet, the whole shebang, right? So as we're getting ready, you know, he's supposed to log in at around nine o'clock. So I, I'm exhausted. Like I'm sitting on the couch, like I have him all set up. I fed him breakfast. They had waffles and sausages, you know, the whole nine. I'm falling asleep in a, tr- in a chair. So I hear my youngest son and my oldest son come over, you know, by the TV and they go, Alexa, set a set a timer for nine o'clock and i'm like these dudes are actually setting a timer well first of all i didn't even know alexa could do that <laughs> it's like i'm i'm sitting here you know half sleep but i'll hear them setting the timer for nine o'clock so they can remember to sign in and i felt kind of bad so i got up and like i started walking around and, like drink some water or something and you know try and be ready for when he sign in and then you know push came to shove he signed in he was ready to go he saw his friends you know, from school and, you know, they was excited. And then while they're talking to the teacher, you know, uh, my youngest son is talking to his teacher. He goes, so when are we going to get our school back? And I'm like, oh, man, like, 
And she had to tell him, like, you know, because of the pandemic, we don't really know when we're going to be able to come back to school. And, you know, it kind of kind of crushed me for a second because I'm like, this dude really wanted to go back to school. Like he was really looking forward to it because, you know, you always have kids. It's like, oh, man, school's about to start. Oh, that sucks. But I guess that's something that they grow into. Like they get a little bit older and it's like, oh, man, school's about to start. So but it it, it I want to shout out the parents because this situation that we find ourselves in is not the greatest, you know, for a variety of reasons, especially if you're a working parent. But, um, you know, it's just something we got to work through our kids. They really need us right now. So I just want to shout out the parents. You know, everybody's doing a big, big up job. You know, it's just something we got to work through right now. So, you know, before we jump into our episode, you know what you got to do. Please follow us on fantasy finest across all of our social media. You know, of course, Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Fantasy's Finest. You can follow the host of the podcast, too. You can follow me, Will, at Hype underscore Finest. You can follow Jalen at Ace underscore ECA4. And, of course, you can follow my buddy Mark at McNucks. Um, I think that's it. We got the introductions out of the way. So, before we jump into our main part, let's get into the news and find out what's really going on around the NFL today. <laughs> News and notes from around the NFL. All right, first up, breaking news. Leonard Fournette has found a home. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won the Leonard Fournette sweepstakes. While this, I'll get, let me, (laughs) let me finish up. Leonard Fournette has signed a one-year deal worth $2 million. That maxes out to a $3.5 million deal with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, before I get a little further into this, Bruce Arians is the king of cap. And the reason why I say this is because the whole offseason, he's been building up Ronald Jones. Oh, Ronald Jones is doing well. He's progressing well. He's doing good in pass protection. He's doing good in pass catching. He, you know, he's right. You see all these clips coming out of Tampa Bay Bucks camp. And it's like, oh, whoa, yo, he look at him run. Look at him go. He's doing so well. And then you go and get Leonard Fournette. Like, what the crap, man? Like, what? Why would you do that? Because now, I mean, it's great that Leonard Fournette found a home. I'm not going to say because I was kind of pulling for him because the Jags didn't real dirty. But now you come into a situation where, one, you could have went anywhere else that didn't really have a starter or was a little shaky, like the Patriots. Like I didn't really want him to go there either because Damian Harris was there and he's really been getting a lot of buzz out of camp. So honestly, I ain't really, I ain't really want him to to go there, but you end up in, in Tampa Bay and now you muddy the whole situation because Ronald Jones was the perceived starter. He probably still is for a first couple of weeks because you know, Fournette just got there. So he's got to catch up you know, catch up on the playbook, you know, get his reps in. Hopefully he get in where he fit in because you got Keyshawn Vaughn, who they drafted this year out of the, you know, out of the draft. They signed LaShawn McCoy for whatever reason, because he's old as he's not old as dirt, but he old. And, you know, he's not the same guy as he used to be. Now you bring in Leonard Fournette and it's like, all right, well, Ronald Jones is, and you got the other boy, Dyer. I can't pronounce his last name, but he's supposed to be the pass catching back. Um, you know, the third down pass catching back situational running back. 
So you got those go all those guys, and then you come in. It's like, all right, well, what are you gonna do? Because you can't expect Leonard Fournette to come in and just say, all right, well, I'm gonna chill and be the backup. No, he's 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 not a bad running back. He he doesn't excel everywhere, but as a rusher and a pass catcher, you notice the two places that he can really be relied on. So it's like, oh man, what do you? And then it's like, what do you do with Ronald Jones? Because now. Do you keep Ronald Jones? Do you stash him? Maybe, you know, the Bucks decide to trade him. Um, do you look in a waiver wire and see who's available that you could pivot to? Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a murky situation right now. And because of that, especially for me, because I drafted I in one of my elite leagues, I drafted Ronald Jones in the seventh round. I got him at a steal because at his ADP on PPR formats, he's about the 508. I was like, bet I got a good, I got a, you know, potential starting running back a little later in the, in the draft. And I, I draft running back heavy. So I already had two or three guys before I got to Ronald Jones. But now it's like, all right, well, what do I do with him? Like, I don't, I have one league now before I started recording. I jumped on one of my other leagues, you know, to check and see what was going on with my team. And I checked waivers and guess I, I stumbled on to Raheem Mostert. So you know what I did? I chucked Ronald Jones and I went and picked up Raheem Mostert. That just seemed like the smartest play for that particular team. But other people don't may not be as fortunate. So it's just like, man, what do I do with this guy? It's just a, a couple days, you know, two weeks before the season starts. It's like, oh, man, this is not, especially if you already did your draft. It's like, it kind of sucks, but. You know, we'll have to wait and see what goes on, you know, how they continue in camp and how they figure out all of this, you know, stuff and logistics on how who's going to get snaps and who's going to be the lead back. And, you know, what's the split going to be? Because, you know, eventually that's coming. You know, Fournette is going to be ready. And could he steal the job from Jones? Could Jones hold him off? We don't know. So it's just something we got to stay tuned for. Now, moving on, uh, there was a lot of drama coming out of the Saints camp. Uh Yesterday on Tuesday, um, Josina Anderson kind of sparked it off when she tweeted that the Saints were uh, okay, open to trading running back Alvin Kamara. Now, and if you were on Twitter, you saw what happened. It was like a whole storm. Like at first, it was uh, the first thing that popped out was the fact that Kamara had unexcused absences from training camp. And they were uh, supposedly linked to his contract situation, like he was attempting to hold out from camp. But then it was later revealed that he had an epidural shot um, in his back. Um, then more information started coming out that, you know, Kamara never requested a trade. And then it was about the money. And, you know, first it was Kamara was looking for 16 million you know, a year, like Christian McCaffrey. Then it came out that he wasn't looking for that money. And it was like it was just a whole bunch of stuff coming out. But now it seems like everything is kind of dying down, you know, the camp. Uh, Kamara camp and the saints organization have talked, you know, they're, they're at an even pace. They're still trying to get a contract done. Um, Kamara has recently returned to camp. Like he said, he was, uh, which is another report that came out. So it was just a lot of stuff going on. Um, the more recent reports about his contract, you know, they're speculating that his deal could be somewhere above Joe Mixon's. Uh, he's, you know, Joe Mixon just got signed to a new extension, a four year, $48 million deal at 12 million a year. So 
maybe the thought is that Kamara could come in uh, just above that, which I could see. You know, I, Kamara is about, you know, you can give him 13 mil. That puts him above uh, Mixon and Derrick Henry. Uh, I believe Derrick Henry has 12 and a half million a year on his deal. You know, Kamara does, just does a little bit more. But now if you get that, you get that kind of money as a, as a fan, as a Saints fan, not me particular, but if you're a Saints fan, you're like, all right, well, we paying you 13 million a, a year. You need to be the, the bell cow now, you know, and it's a question. It's always been a question of whether or not his body can hold up to that kind of workload. And um, I, I'm not going to say he can't do it, but, you know, he saw the injuries last year. He tried to come back early from uh, a high ankle sprain, a sprain. Then you had he had to deal with the MCL injury. So it's like, all right, well, if we pay you this amount of money, can you hold it up? You know, can you stay healthy? Um, me personally, I don't think that that's much of an issue. Um, you have to give him a chance. The Saints scheme doesn't seem to predicate to that, though. So. If you're going to pay him, I say if you're going to pay him, you might as well give him the workload. And, you know, you got Latavius Murray to back him up, you know, if something does go wrong. But for 13 mil, yeah, you better carry the rock a lot, you know. So, but moving on, uh, Muhammad Sanu was cut from the Patriots camp Wednesday. Um, It was a bit of a shocker because a lot of people were expecting him to make the roster because of the fact that, you know, the Pats spent a second round pick on him to get him. But they gave him the boot. So, Muhammad Sanu is out in the street. He'll likely find another team. Um, as far as fantasy goes, me personally, I'm not targeting Muhammad Sanu, um, no matter where he goes, because he's not really a guy who's been fantasy relevant on the last few years. Um, I, I wouldn't, me personally, I wouldn't waste the effort. He's a, a three or a four at best, you know, and that's probably stretching it a little bit. So, you know, it's news, but for fantasy, you know, are you really going to put you going? Are you starting Muhammad Sanu on a weekly basis? And I know you're shaking your head. No. So and if you're shaking your head, yes, you cap it. I don't believe you. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, some quarterbacks were mentioned today as they were named the starting role, starting uh, quarterback for week one. Uh, Washington's Dwayne Haskins and Chargers Tyrod Taylor. They both were named week one starters per their uh, head coaches. Um, good news for Ron Rivera uh, announcing Dwayne Haskins. It was always kind of speculated that, you know, Alex Smith was going to work his way in and try and steal that role, but he just got cleared for 11 on 11. So more than likely there definitely wasn't enough time for him to try and put a damper on that situation. And plus the reports out of camp have Dwayne Haskins looking very well this year. Uh, well, so far in camp uh, reports are that he's been looking sharp being consistent with his throws. So that bodes well for him this year. That also had me a little nervous about Terry McLaurin's fantasy value because, you know, if you don't know who the quarterback is, how can you trust the wide receiver? Despite the fact that Terry McLaurin has been kind of QB proof, even, even though it's not a big track record, but he did pretty well last year, even when all the movement was going around at the position. So, um, Yep, Dwayne Haskins is a starter. Tyrod Taylor, on the other hand, um, yeah, I'm not really buying. I'm not buying into Tyrod Taylor. I hope that he does well, but I'm not really w- risking a chance or taking him even late 
Um, he's going to be on the waiver wires. Uh, you know, if I have to pivot to him, it'll more than likely be a bye week situation, depending on how he's doing during the season. But I'm not even drafting him. So, you know, that's just something you need to think about. I haven't seen enough of him to really be like excited about him. You know, he's going to have to target, you know, the guys that he has, like uh, Eckler and Hunter and, and uh, Keenan Allen. You know, he has to throw the ball, duh, because he's a quarterback. But, you know, it's a it's it's more of what are those targets going to look like? Is he going to throw the ball downfield? Is he able to throw the ball downfield? Is he be able to be consistent? These are things that we haven't seen out of Tyrod Taylor. We know he can run with the football, um, you know, in a, in a, escape situations but it's just too many questions for Tyrod but he's expected to be the starter all year so you're hoping that he does at least decent so that he can make the other guys on the team at skill positions fantasy relevant and finally some good news out of uh, 49ers camp Kyle Shanahan expects Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to practice next week now if you've just finished your draft Make sure to check and see if those guys are available. Debo Samuels might not be available depending on how savvy your guys are in your league, but Brandon Ayuk might be available on waivers. If you need a wide receiver or you've got a spot for a rookie, might want to pick Ayuk up. That'll wrap it up for our news and notes from around the league. NFL, you know, our new segment. Now, we're going to get into our 2020 comeback candidates, running backs. Don't call it a comeback. All right. Now, I don't have that many guys listed. You know, I don't think that there's going to be a, a whole bunch of running backs that you're going to be like, oh, man, I, these guys can bounce back. But there's some names that I put on my list that, you know, they kind of they kind of had bad years last year. You know, if it was because of injuries, um, we got kind of hoodwinked with one. So I'll I'll start to get into it and then you'll see why I kind of use the word hoodwink on one of them. Now, my first guy is Ty Gurley. Now, he got, you know, the, the Rams let him go at the end of the last this offseason. Rather, he ended up in Atlanta and, you know, the the notes or news coming out of Atlanta is like, you know, he's he's going to get a big workload. Uh, Carter came out and said that he's going to get 15 to 25 touches a game. And, you know, 15 is going to be the minimum. And, you know, they're really going to try and use uh, Todd Gurley in all facets of the game, which is great. But then you have the negative news where it came out about his knee. The concern is always going to be Todd Gurley's knee. You know, there was reports earlier in the offseason that said that you know, Todd Gurley's knee, he, he, he was walking with a limp, uh, but he wasn't, um, it wasn't noticed or noticeable when he was uh, running. So it doesn't seem like it's impairing his um, actions when he's running, but you noticed last year that it didn't seem like he had the same burst. He wasn't running with the same speed. Um, the Rams chose not to use him in the passing game at all, which was a head scratcher too. And then on top of the fact that, you know, McVay was pulling Houdini with his words when at the end of this of uh, the 2018 season, they said everything was fine with Gurley. And then coming into 2019, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's more the same. He's not he's not 
you know, he's not banged up. He's okay. He's ready to go. And then you bust out a committee on us. So like, all right, now you have everybody jaded because now you don't know what you're going to do with how's Ty Gurley going to look with Atlanta. But the reason why I bring up Ty Gurley is because the opportunity for him is so much greater than it was with the Rams last year um, that you can't really, I understand the nervousness of, you know, Oh, is his knee going to hold up? Yeah. But that's why you kind of do the, you have two moves. You have two moves to me that when you target some of these guys, you either draft running back heavy. That way you cover yourself in the event of an injury or you play the handcuff game. So I'll get into that. Um, but first off, let's look at how he was used last year. Um, the Rams came in the first half of the season. And, um, you know, it was noticeable, of course, because you had get carries going to uh, Brown and Henderson and Gurley. They were all sharing a load. So his tar- his uh, snap shares dropped from 88% in 2018 to 76% in 2019, which is, you know, based on the fact that they were using a committee. Gurley's not the type of running back where you have to hold him back. If he's if you're saying he's okay, to me, if you're saying he's okay, let him run and rock. If his knee falls off in between there, then you know, hey man, this this dude's knee can't hold up to it. He can't do it anymore. And then you cut him. But that's not what they did. They ended up they started off with the committee approach. And then when they realized, oh snap, we might not make the playoffs this year, they started feeding him towards the end of the uh season. Now, this was uh, I took note of this and I checked his carries from the beginning of the season to the end. In the beginning of the season, he barely averaged 15 carries a game. Then towards the, the midway point, his carries jumped from 15 to 18. Like you if it was if his knee was that banged up, you should have just gave him the rip the reps from the start. You already knew it only took a few games to realize to me that Henderson wasn't ready, and Malcolm Brown wasn't the guy. So to play games with your running backs at that point is too little too late. Now, he's in Atlanta, and Atlanta has one of the biggest um, pass catching. You know, they're one of the best passing teams in the league or in terms of volume. Um, they threw the ball 600 and they, six, they threw the ball 684 times last season in 2019 that ranked first in the league in attempts now you're going to bring in Ty Gurley who's a good pass catching back and you're going to put him in that system Devontae Freeman saw uh 70 targets last season that was about 10.2 percent of the target share now that doesn't sound like a lot but the fact that he's involved in a passing game to that degree bodes well for Ty Gurley because now you're looking at Todd to bring in and take probably take even more of a target share, even bigger than what Freeman had. Now, the best year, one of the best years uh, Todd Gurley saw catching the ball out of the backfield was in 2018, where he saw 80 targets um, and the Rams threw the ball 568 times that ranked 14th. He had a 14.2 per, uh, target share. So, you know, he can handle it out of the backfield pass catcher. If they're going to give him that, that workload out of the passing in the passing game, that bodes well for him, especially in PPR formats. Now you want to look at carries too. Freeman, before he left, he had 250, uh, 254 
touches total. That's basically Gurley's share. That's his now. Because if you look at the back, if you look at the depth chart, who's going to take carries? Who's going to take touches, period, from Todd Gurley? Edo Smith? No. Brian Hill has been reportedly looking better, but he's the backup. He's going to be the backup. So Todd Gurley has the running back room to himself. This is why I know, you know, everybody's going to be concerned about the knee, but I think that he's worth the risk. You're going to get him as an RB2. He's floating around the third and fourth round. You're not paying a premium for him. You know, those days are gone, but you're getting him at a value now. You can't really pass up on that. You know, if you draft running back heavy in the first two rounds, depending on where you are, yeah, you can get some better names. You can get a Kenyon Drake. You can get a Miles Sanders. You can get a Nick Chubb in the back of the first and then come around and get, you know, Aaron Jones maybe. But when you look at opportunity, Gurley's got it. You want that, especially in PPR, because you know he's going to touch the ball uh, in terms of carries. You know he's going to catch out of the backfield, and you know he's going to get all the goal line work. That's ideal. And you're getting him at an RB, too? And you know the, uh, the the passing weapons in Atlanta are good. Julio, Ridley, now you got Hayden Hurst. I mean, the opportunity is there. Sometimes you got to roll the dice on a guy and hope it works. I think Gurley's Gurley's that fit. If he's going to, you're going to roll the dice on a guy, you know, in the second round, be a little risky. Gurley fits that, fits that mold. Now we move on to another guy I got on my list, Melvin Gordon. You know, he ended up with the Denver Broncos after not getting the money that he wanted um, out of the Chargers. Um, Gordon, you know, he, kind of stunk it up last year he held out for the first four games of the season Eckler started looking like he was the man and then Gurley was uh not Gurley Gordon was like "Uh uh-oh I better get back in there you know he didn't say that but you know I'm saying like it was like okay let me get let me get off the couch and you know get back in there and you know show him what I can do but he wasn't that good last year um his yards per average dropped from 5.1 to 3.8 his fantasy points per game dropped from 23 uh 23 points per game to 15.1 point fantasy points per game you know he 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 didn't look he looked like he was catching up you know gordon is a is a running back he's one of the best looking uh dual threats in the game but last year, he just, you know, he didn't have it. There were other issues, you know, with Phillip Rivers. Lord knows what he was doing. Um, he was chucking the ball all over the place and turning it over. The offensive line wasn't great. It was a host of problems for the Chargers last year. They were dealing with injuries. It, it, it just wasn't a great situation. But now he finds himself in Denver. And he has the opportunity to be the lead back. I know they've spoken about, you know, uh, him and, Philip Lindsay kind of sharing a, the starting role or, you know, they're too good to be to name one guy to starter. Yeah, that all sounds great. But you don't invest the money that you do that you that the Broncos did to split the work even. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Why would you pay you pay Melvin Gordon and made him now the ninth highest paid running back in the league? He was a little higher before. You know, Mixon got paid and, you know, a couple others got paid. But he was up there. 
why would you pay him that much? You paying him uh, sixteen million a year? Yeah, uh, sixteen. You're paying him sixteen million a year. Why are you? Why would you give him that money? And you you're not gonna give. You're still gonna split the work. Like I'm not. I'm not really buying it. Philip Lindsay also struggled. You know, inside the red zone, he uh, had thirty five. Lindsay himself had thirty five carries inside the red zone and only scored five times. Melvin Gordon was a little better. He had thirty eight carries inside the red zone he scored nine touchdowns so you kind of get where they're going as far as uh, bringing in Melvin Gordon they want somebody who can get into the end zone on the ground now you have a new quarterback in Drew Locke you brought in new weapons in the draft in Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler you still got Cortland Sutton Noah Fant is on the rise you have weapons now so they brought in a premier running back to help the young guy at quarterback out, to bring help out Locke. They need a ground game to go with that passing attack. And I think Melvin Gordon is the guy. They can, Fangio can talk about, you know, they're just, you know, Lindsey is still good and that's great. But I think the share shifts from Lindsey to Melvin Gordon. If Lindsey was that good, then why'd you bother bringing Melvin Gordon in in the first place? So, you know, you can talk all of that, but I expect uh, Melvin Gordon to take a bigger share um, in the rushing game overall over Lindsey. I think Lindsey's still going to have some value, but if I'm looking for a running back to get the to get the job done, um, I'm pick I'm taking Lin, I'm taking a uh, Melvin Gordon over Philip Lindsey. Now my next guy, I, I honestly he should be a no brainer, um, and it's David Johnson. Now, I know everybody's like, oh, well, he kind of sucked last year. You know, he got hurt and he's getting older. And, you know, I I get that. But again, the opportunity is there. Over the first six weeks of the season, when he was still in Arizona, he was the running back five in PPR. So the narrative that, you know, he's just he just doesn't have it anymore. That's kind of that's kind of suspect because of the fact that he still had to deal with injuries, which is starting to become a knock on him. You know, he's injury prone because he gets hurt a lot, but he's still productive. Despite the injuries, you know, he had to deal with the ankle injury. He was uh, getting banged up a little bit and then they kind of moved away from him. They had Chase Edmonds in there for a little bit. Then they went and got Kenyon Drake and then he just stole the show from there. So they kind of forgot about David Johnson, which is why they, they, you know, they pitched him to um, the Texans, which for the love of God, I don't understand why you trade. I'm not saying don't trade for David Johnson. What I don't understand is how do you trade DeAndre Hopkins and you don't get a first round pick? How do you do that? How? Bill O'Brien has got to be the dumbest GM. I I saw the news. I, I oh my goodness. I was at work. I'm in the I'm at work and all of all I go is I'm looking at I'm getting notifications and I'm like David Johnson has just been traded. What? DeAndre Hopkins has been traded to the Arizona Cardinals. What? They've been traded. They did a trade and they swapped both players. What? Like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, I was shocked. And then when I found out what they traded for, I'm like, you don't, you trade one of the best wide receivers in the game and you don't get a first round pick? Yeah, if I'm the owner, I would have fired Bill O'Brien, like, on the, on the rip. Like, yo, are you serious right now? And then De- Deshaun Watson, like, yo, you just... 
who am I throwing to this year? I, I can't rely on Will Fuller. He don't stay healthy. He get hurt every – he go down every other game. You take away my best weapon? He's like, no, nah, yeah, we need to talk about a contract. <laughs> Watson was like, I want to get paid now because y'all just – y'all. I don't know what y'all doing. But back to David Johnson. The opportunity is there for him. He takes over um, in a system where Carlos Hyde still was able to crack 1,000 yards, average 4.4 yards per carry and score six times on 245 carries. David Johnson can do that. Even banged up, David Johnson is still better than Carlos Hyde. I don't care what you say. So if Carlos Hyde can get it done behind that shaky offensive line, David Johnson can do it better, and he can catch out of the backfield. Now, this does to me, this does hurt Duke Johnson because you bring in a back who does it better than, in my opinion, to than you. He can catch out of the backfield. He can run between the tackles. He can run up the middle. He can run outside. He can do everything better than Duke Johnson. It's just a matter of whether he can stay healthy or not. So if you're, again, if you're worried about David Johnson going down with injury, you play the handcuff game. You take David Johnson around the third or fourth round, then you swing back around and you pick up Duke Johnson. Now you're secure. You don't have nothing to worry about. But you can't let the opportunity go by. He's going to be the man there. He's not going to split carries. You can't split carries. Honestly, you can't split carries. Why would you do that? You traded your top, you could trade it arguably a top three wide receiver and you're going to split the work? You know how dumb that'll make you look? Yeah, we're going to bring in David Johnson, but we're going to split the work 50-50 between him and Duke Johnson. What? You just traded DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona to bring this guy in. And you gave up picks. And you ain't get a first round. If I'm a fan, if I'm a Texans fan, I'm not trying to hear none of that. I, yo, David Johnson better run the ball to the wheels fall off. And, you know, that's possible. <laughs> I'm sorry. But like I said, the opportunity is there. You're not going to get a, a running back in the third or fourth round or beyond that's going to have the workload of a starting top five, top ten running back. Not that late. And if your league lets one of those guys slide, like Nick Chubb or – Derrick Henry, then you need to be scratching your head like, yo, what are these guys doing? Not that I would care. I'm scooping them. But that's my point. The opportunity is going to be there for David Johnson. So you can't let that guy, you can't let that guy go by. If you're feeling nervous about grabbing him because of his injuries, draft his backup. Duke Johnson. There you go. You done locked it up. You got, in case David Johnson goes down, I got Duke Johnson to back me up. That's how you play it. That way you mitigate the risk. Now, finally, my last guy is James Conner. And, of course, you know, the natural reaction is, oh, oh, God, why him? And I get it. You know, he went down the last two seasons. He kind of went down at the end of uh, 2017. You know, he missed uh, the final three games. But he was like he was a top 10 running back in 2017. And 2018 was kind of a wash to me because – once Big Ben went down, it was a wrap. You weren't going to expect uh, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges to lead them anywhere offensively. They were horrible. So, you know, James James Conner, you know, still got hurt, but he still managed to score seven touchdowns before he went out. 
He scored four rushing, three receiving. He's still a big part of that Steelers passing game. In 2018, he saw 71 targets over 13 games before he got hurt. That's a 10.3 target share. That's not bad. The Steelers sported one of the best passing offenses in the league that year. They threw the ball 689 times, first in the league. That's not bad. And you know he's going to get all the work. Mike Tomlin does not do the whole, yo, we're going to, you know, shake it up. We're going to give, you know, we're going to split carries. No. James Conner has to prove it this year. He's in a contract year. He wants to stay in, in Pittsburgh and he wants to get paid. The only way he can do that is if he performs and if he stays healthy. So those two things kind of work in your favor because he's going to try extra hard to do both. So you, James Conner is still going around the third and fourth round too. Why not take a chance? What do you got to lose? He gets hurt again. What did I, what did I say? Mitigate the risk. Come back around and draft his backup. Benny Snell has been reportedly looking good in camp. He's going to be the number two running back behind James Conner. You feeling really uh, dicey with it? Pick up Anthony McFarlane. Dynamic running back. He's a little smaller. But, man, if he gets out, he gets to the second level, he gone. But Benny Snell is going to be the number two running back. And like I said before, Mike Tomlin doesn't do the whole we're going to share carries thing. Not all the time. He's going to come in if if Connor goes down. Benny Snell's coming in and he's getting to work at the very least. And they say he's looking faster in camp. He's looking faster. He's trimmed down. He lost some weight. You know, it's all camp hype. But if he comes out there and he, you know, blows it up. Now you got the, the Steelers. You got all the work that James Conner was going to get in Benny Snell. Now, like I said before, um, in 2017, he finished the RB6. 21 fan, 21.5 fantasy points per game on average. That's the, that's the ceiling. That's the production you're going to get with the Steelers, with Big Ben back. They got Juju Smith-Schuster in the contract year. You know he trying to get paid, so he going he gonna to show out. You got Deontay Johnson, who's every, who everyone is expecting to break out this year. You got James Washington. He's going to be the Steelers' deep threat. That's if he don't get leaped over by Chase Claypool, who's been showing out in training camp. One of my favorite sleepers. They got weapons. Eric Ebron's there. You know how he is when you get uh, in the red zone around the touchdown and around the goal line. And, you know, uh, Ben likes to throw to, you know, red zone weapons. So you have a bunch of passing options there. And James Conner is a part of that. So if for whatever reason, Ben can't find nobody. Guess who we checking it down to all the time? James Conner. And James is going to get yard. He's going to get that yak. But you just have to you have to mitigate the risk. Either draft running back heavy, secure yourself, or you draft his backup. But these are the guys that have the most opportunity. They're going to get the most shares out of their whole depth chart, their whole position in their respective teams. They're just going to get the work. And you want that you want that opportunity for your fantasy team. And all these guys I mentioned. They catch out of the backfield. So you want them in PPR too. Yeah, they're a little risky. You know, but you can't play it safe all the time in fantasy. 
You got to take some chances. You take chances with rookies. Everybody's doing it. You mean to tell me you don't have one rookie on your team? One rookie wide receiver? We know the stigma on rookie rookie wide receivers. Not all of them do well in their first year. But you're still rolling the dice on some. Got to take that chance. Can't can't play it safe all the time in fantasy. Got to take the chance. These guys right here, you got to take a chance on. You're getting them a little cheaper than what they used to be. So why not? But that wraps it up for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for listening as always. Remember to subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. And be sure to stop by thefantasiesfinest.com. You know we got work coming up every week. So make sure that you stop by and see what's going on and what's new. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Y'all take it easy. Oh, and by the way, the guys will be back hopefully next week. Um, I say hopefully because, you know, you never know. But one or both of them, Jalen and Mark, they should be back next week. We should be ready to go to knock out our NFC breakdown before the season. So I hope you guys are looking forward to that. I know. I told you before. We're saving the NFC East for last. And that's going to be a doozy. So stay tuned. And we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy's Finest Podcast. Be sure to join the community on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter, too, at the Fantasy's Finest. See you next episode.